Hi, you are now listening to a sermon from Harvest Community Church in Hoffman Estates, Illinois. Today you will hear a sermon from Pastor Dave Lee, so without further ado, here he is. Lord, this time of the year is filled with light and activity and energy. There's a lot to look at and a lot to do, so much to think about. We ask now that you would quiet and still our hearts. There's still so much left to be done, still some open things, some loose ends hanging around in our minds, but Grant us real focus now. And we don't want to manufacture anything, but we do want to experience a rising of real wonder and amazement at what Christmas represents for us. And for those who just are having a hard time this morning connecting with you, in the midst of all of this, we pray that you would give us the gift of connecting us to your own heart right now. Open your word to us. Join us together as we listen to it. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to uh, read together from, I don't know if the... uh, Good? All right, thank you. So the title of the message is Together in Wonder. And um, the text is from Luke chapter 2, verses 8 to 20. I want to read it together with you. It tells a story of the first appearance and birth announcement of the arrival of Jesus as a baby. And it reads like this. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you, You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem. And see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. And when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told about them, told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just 
as they had been told. I've always loved Luke's descriptive and thorough retelling of the events surrounding the birth of Jesus. You can tell Luke was a detail-oriented guy, but he also could weave a story. And as he tells it, he includes details that make me feel just how rooted in, in real life the story of the gospel is. I, I don't know if you can picture, if, if you were the one scripting a Hollywood blockbuster movie about the entrance of God into human history, into the world, I wonder how you would have chosen to write it. I think it would have been much grander than the way it played out. I mean, God coming to earth, I think I would have had a lot more spectacle. But it comes in such a quiet and ordinary setting. And I want to talk about this idea of wonder, not the new movie about the boy, but this idea of a sense of awe or amazement which makes your heart feel things that you're not in control of. The hairs on the back of your neck stand on end, and you feel like you're in the presence of something transcendent. And for a lot of us, it's been a very long time since we felt anything like that in our lives. I don't have a lot of time this morning, so I'm going to move pretty quickly through this text. But I want to show you a couple things that I think will help us capture together a sense of the wonder of what Christmas represents. Have you ever had a a deep yearning in your heart for more than this? A feeling like every day just sort of is like every other day, and you ask yourself, is there not more to life and faith than this? One day runs into the other. You know, I've I got to share with you, I've been keeping a daily diary. Uh, and what I mean by that is not like, dear diary, I have a crush on, you know, it's not like that. I'm, I'm just writing down the key events of every day. And every day at 10 o'clock, I have an alarm that goes off on my phone reminding me to sit and record the, the, the things that happened that day. But if I miss a single day... The next day, I can hardly remember what happened yesterday. I mean, there's something numbing and just so tedious at times about the repetitiveness and the ordinariness of everyday life. So I think many of us, we yearn, we hunger deep down inside for a touch or an encounter with something that feels extraordinary. I think when we're children... Wonder is such a part of everyday life, isn't it? I mean, I love when my kids were little. Every day seemed to be filled with magic and wonder, even miracles. I remember just delighting in showing my kids the most ordinary thing like dandelions. I'd pick one up and go, kids, watch this. And all of them would blow away and just be the stem. And they're like, whoa. It's nothing. It's totally nothing. But for the first time a kid sees something like that, they're just, whoa. I remember when they first saw a rainbow and they couldn't understand how all these colors were stretched across the sky. And, you know, one thing after the first time they see snow on the ground and realize what it is and they touch it and it's so cold. When you're a child, wonder is an everyday thing. 
Everything's amazing. Everything is new. Everything feels magical and miraculous. But as we grow older, we get used to everything, don't we? The stuff that once amazed us is pretty ordinary. And little by little, that sense of wonder and awe starts to fade from our hearts. And what's worse is we start accepting that this numb feeling, this tired feeling is the new normal, and it is just what it is. It's going to be like this forever. And then one day, we will cease to be. On the night Jesus was born, Luke records for us that the first announcement of Jesus' birth came in the midst of the most ordinary and mundane setting you can imagine. This would have been a scene that you would have seen all over Israel around that time. Shepherds in the middle of the night just sitting around, chatting, tending a fire, and keeping an eye on their sheep. Just another day like every other day. Do you ever feel kind of like this is your whole life? Like the same thing happens on a loop, day after day and night after night. And for the shepherds, they were shepherds in Israel, a very religious culture, but for many of the shepherds, they they felt very much like all that religion stuff is for other people. Those who spend a lot of time thinking and talking and praying, but we're people who actually do stuff. We we tend sheep. We're normal, everyday, blue-collar guys. This is just a, a normal world. And they felt, in many ways, distanced and separate from all the religion that was so prevalent in their culture. And I can imagine that if you're a shepherd in Jesus' day, life was pretty ordinary, uneventful. And all of a sudden, something profound happens. And so I think when our life feels like this, it starts to poke at us, making us yearn for a touch of something greater. Something that feels like wonder. I think it's one of the reasons we look forward to weekends. I think it's one of the reasons we, when we're students especially, do you remember when, some of you don't have to remember, you're in the midst of that exhilaration right now. School is over, winter break has started, and it's such a good feeling. We look so forward to breaks from the ordinary because maybe something will happen that will make me feel alive again. Because work, school, every day is kind of deadening when it's the same thing day after day. But I think this, and and by the way, that's the reason why whether it's a little surprise, a treat, like, you know, once in a while on the way home from work, I will stop by Dairy Queen and buy a small vanilla dip cone in chocolate just because when I do that for myself, I feel a little bit more alive. It's one of those little treats. I just go, Dave, you're special. I really like you. And you deserve... And when I do it, I'm just sitting in my car, a grown 50-year-old man eating an ice cream, and I think, even this little thing feels kind of good. And sometimes it's much bigger than that. We plan the once-in-a-lifetime dream vacation. Everything just right, no expense spared. And we look forward to it for months and months and months. The anticipation builds. And the reason we do those things is because there is something in us yearning and hungering to feel alive, to sense wonder. It's why when we have nothing to look forward to, some of us start to panic. We've got to plan something. It's like just another weekend, no plans. We're just going to sit around at home. We've got to do something. Is there a show in town, anything? But I think our yearning for wonder runs much deeper 
than distraction and diversion. I think somewhere deep down inside of us is a yearning for something transcendent that goes beyond a great experience or something fun. Because if you're wealthy, you have a lot more options to distract yourself. I mean, you're, the, the kind of distractions you can afford are much grander. But whether you're wealthy or not wealthy, we are all equal in one thing. In the quiet of the night, as we're nodding off, we're haunted by deep existential questions. Like, is this it? Is God real? Does he still move among us? Or is it just stories we were told ever since we were children? These shepherds were just having another night like every other night, and all of a sudden, wonder finds them, and they find wonder. Out of nowhere, an angel comes down from heaven and appears to them. And what's interesting is, when you look at artistic depictions of angels, they look like giant naked babies with wings. I, it just, when we look at the depictions of angels in art, I don't think they do justice, because when we look at the biblical description of every encounter with an angel, the first emotion and response was terror. Something so other, so different, so alien, we, the people who saw the angels could not understand what they were seeing. And their first reaction was to be horrified, struck dumb with fear, a holy kind of fear. And out of the blue, an angel, I mean, I want you to think about this, just swoops down and goes, hey, what's up, shepherds? I got news for you. Something amazing has just happened over the next hill in Bethlehem. And though the shepherds were not particularly plugged into the religious systems, they knew what everyone had talked about for centuries. A prophecy that had been talked about for as long as they could remember, their fathers and their grandfathers and their great-grandfathers talked about it, that one day God promised a Savior would come, a Messiah who would deliver Israel. And they said one day it would happen in Bethlehem. And there, lo and behold, the prophecy that was long-awaited finally comes, and as soon as that angel breaks the news, it says a few verses later, and then suddenly one angel was not horrifying and scary enough, a whole host, probably like 20,000 of them, lit up the night sky and appeared to these shepherds and said, he's telling the truth. Something world-changing, history-defining has just happened in your town. It's always a gift when wonder finds us, when uninvited, out of the blue, God sweeps in and he collides with our lives and does something that gets your attention. And a lot of us have experienced something like that. We weren't necessarily looking for it, but just out of the blue, God sweeps in and something profound happens. Maybe it's an act of extraordinary kindness done for you. Maybe it's a kind of deliverance you experience when you are hopeless and thought, this is it, it's over, and In the 11th hour, rescue comes, and you sense God very much present. Maybe it's when you were terribly alone, and somehow in the quiet of that moment, a growing certainty rose in your heart that God is right here with me, and he has my back. Once in a while, wonder just finds us. And whenever that happens, it's such a gift to us. It's something you have to seize and be grateful for. But I find another interesting part of the story is after the angels had struck them with terror and delivered this amazing message, 
He points them in the right direction and there was something they had to do in response. Because I think sometimes God wants us to find wonder by pursuing it. By actually walking towards where God is at work, where he's moving. And so these angels point them in the right direction say, it's over there. Will you go and find it? Will you go and look for it? And so it says that as soon as the angels left them, the shepherds said to one another, well, let's go check it out. Now they could have said, dudes, did you almost pee your pants when those angels came down? That was something. I got to go tell my wife, I just saw 20,000 angels floating in the sky. They could have said that spectacle was enough. Let's just go and tell everybody. But the angels, as spectacular as their appearance was, pointed to something else. And they said, something is there in a manger, in a barn. Go and check it out. And so they did exactly that. They went to where they were told something amazing had happened. And when they got there, they realized instinctively, led by the Spirit of God, that the baby they were watching was the hope of the world. They knew something extraordinary had happened. And when they were in his presence, in that barn, this quiet little gathering of ordinary people witnessing the birth of Jesus, their hearts were flutter, and they knew something amazing was happening. They were bearing witness to it, and it changed them. See, I think sometimes... We wait passively saying, God, come mug me with something. Come sweep me off my feet. But sometimes God says, wonder is waiting for you if you will walk to where I point you. And practically, I don't know what that means for you, but sometimes it's something as mundane as sticking to a Bible reading program. I remember the first time I got on a Bible reading program, I was excited for like two days. And then from January 3rd to like April 15th or so, numbness, boredom, just deadness inside. I'm like, why do I keep doing this? Especially Leviticus, right? It was so hard. And you're just pressing through and going, God, will you meet me in this? I know I'm supposed to do it, but everyone tells me if I keep reading your word, there'll be a breakthrough. You'll speak to me. And it wasn't until like sometime in mid-spring that the breakthrough happened. See, I think sometimes we're waiting for wonder, but God says, I want you to find it because you've pursued me too. I'll point you in the right direction, but there's a step you have to take to go where I'm working and trust me. And if you stay at it, things will happen that will surprise you and cause wonder to rise once again. It might mean for you taking a risk in a relationship to go to a deeper place, to take a risk to say things that aren't easy to say. It might mean for you to follow God's leading in your heart, an inner prompting to go to a dangerous place and serve others in need or tell the story of Jesus to people who had never heard it before. I don't know what it means for each of us personally, but I sense that in the coming year, God may begin pulling at some of us in a very quiet but certain way. Follow me, I'm pointing you towards the star, but you've got to walk to where I'm working. And if you'll pursue me, Wonder will rise again, and you'll find it. It says that after they found this wonder, both when wonder came crashing into their lives and when they had chased it and found even more, their first instinct was to share the wonder that they were feeling. It says when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning him, and all who heard it were amazed. 
You know, have you noticed that um, when you encounter something extraordinary or amazing, your first instinct, it's natural, it's hardwired into us, is to share it with other people. And here's how I know that's true. Think about how often when you see something great, your first response is what? What do you do? You reach for your phone, right? That's the first thing I do is, holy cow. And I get so frustrated when I don't have my phone with me because how am I going to tell other people? See, there's something interesting about that. When I see something strong, I mean, look at this picture. I took this picture. um, So when Pastor Jared and I flew into Flagstaff, Arizona, by the way. Did you hear that? Arizona. Desert Arizona. We landed in April 24, I think it was 2014. And we landed in Arizona in the middle of a snowstorm. And we got off of that plane. As I was walking back, I'm like, this is just so surreal. I'm in Arizona, and it was balmy in Chicago, and it's snowing like crazy here. So I turned around and shot a picture of it. And why did I shoot the picture? It wasn't just so I could remember, because that memory still burned in my head. I took the picture because I showed like a thousand people after I got back, this is what Arizona looks like right now, if you go to the right part of it. And you know what I love is that moment, I go, wait, where is that? It's in Arizona. Whoa. I'm like, yeah. As if I made the snow, as if I'm responsible for it. Because I, I experienced, I saw the wonder, and my first instinct is, I got I to gotta let other people experience the wonder and then watch their face so I could relive that moment. Because you can never see a thing the first time more than once, right? But when you see other people, the wonder of that initial experience echoes again. It's reinforced and strengthened. I think that's why, even though I've seen one of my favorite movies more than 10 times, if someone I meet has never seen it, I'm like, I will watch it with you again for the 11th time. Not because I have no idea what's going to happen, but because when I watch you enjoy it and I watch your face it will make me fall even more in love with this movie again because it will confirm for me this movie has a profound effect on people. There's something hardwired into the human spirit that when we find something extraordinary, the first thought is, I've got to share this with other people. I want you to imagine what it was like. Can I uh, shut the, how do I do the, there, thank you. I want you to imagine for the shepherds, even though they wanted to tell others about the appearance of the angels and all that, when you think about how marginalized and unimportant they were in their society, think about what a barrier there would have been for them to share what they had experienced. I mean, who, what Jew is going to believe that when the Messiah prophesied for thousands of years finally comes... The first people who get to hear about it are not the religious leaders or the king of Israel. It's a bunch of shepherds hanging out on a hill. Who would have believed them when they go into town and say, uh, where is the, the leader of the, the um, Jewish council? Where are the religious leaders, the Pharisees, the, the priests and the rabbis? Where are they? We've got to tell them something that happened. The, the Messiah finally came and we were the first to hear about it. I don't know about you, but if I were one of those shepherds, I'd be like, no one's going to believe us. Even if I tell them, they're going to be like, what? Why would God have told you guys first? Do you have any idea who we are? If God is going to show up, we're the first to find out, not you guys. I don't know what you saw, but you got to stop drinking that hooch while you're watching your sheep at night because you're hallucinating. 
I think there's often, when there's a burning desire to tell the story, at the same moment there's often a barrier that wants us not to tell, share the story. Have you ever experienced that? Where something amazing happens, but just as you're about to tell people, you're like, oh, but shoot. That's kind of sensitive. I don't know if I want to go there and start telling people. And that's because I think some of the greatest work that God does in our lives happens in the areas that are most private or painful. See, some of the ways that we experience God the most are in areas of our lives that we're not so ready to share with other people about. Maybe it's the way that God ministered to you when you lost a baby. Or the profound lessons you learned in the midst of weeping over your own illness or the illness of a loved one. Maybe it's a battle with mental illness and God is gaining ground. Maybe it's something else. Maybe it's being fired from your job and God finally breaking through and saying, I want you to learn something about the world and about yourself and about me. And as you see God at work in your life and in the world around you, something in you screams, tell people, because God still works. He's still alive. He's real. But at that same moment, there's another voice that says, but man, are you sure you want to go there and tell other people about that? About something so sensitive, so private, so deeply personal. And there is this weird tension in us because we know that when we've encountered wonder, our first natural hardwired instinct is to share that wonder. But often our privacy instinct is directly at odds with our yearning for wonder and for community. And if we don't speak up and share the story, we add to this growing idea that God doesn't work anymore. You know, I've heard people say to me, Pastor Dave, does God still work? At, I, I know he works in Africa and in parts of Asia and South America, but does he still work in the suburban United States? And what's more pointed, does he still work at Harvest? I'm like, you have no idea how much he's working at Harvest. I don't get it because we never hear, I, yeah, I know. I'm there, front row seat, people confide in me, but there is this um, pastor, parishioner privilege, this confidentiality I have to protect. I'm not free and at liberty to tell the story of your life to other people. So when God is at work in people's lives, I often, I often invite them, please tell the story because if people hear this, they will break out of their slumber and realize God still very much is alive today. I know, Pastor Dave, but man, I don't know. I don't know if I could tell that story. It's too much. And I respect that. I don't guilt them, but I grieve inside a little because each time God works and we choose not to say it, we add to this growing impression that God actually doesn't work anymore. And if he works, he works elsewhere, but not in this church because no one's ever going to stand up here and say, ah, oh, this happened. It almost broke me. It's really embarrassing, but I saw God. See, not only is our privacy instinct at war with our yearning for connection with other people, but it's also at war, it's at odds with our yearning for wonder. And every time we give in to that instinct to be silent, to not share, people around us don't get to hear and see that God very much still moves among his people. People want to know if miracles happen at harvest, and I want to shout from the pulpit, absolutely they do. 
God is very much at work right now, and it could be very actively in the life of the person sitting next to you. But if we don't share it, we won't see that God at work. There's something about sharing our wonder that is a gift to other people. And when the shepherds shared their wonderful experience, it says everyone who heard it was amazed. That's the power of sharing a real story about something extraordinary, is even though a person is not there for themselves, when they hear it told, it can have as deep an effect on that person as it had on you as an eyewitness, a firsthand person of experience. Let me give you one last thing. When people break through that hesitancy, that barrier to sharing and they tell others about their profound experiences with God, the effect is not just wonder that rises, but it connects the lives of the people who are telling and hearing the story. See, I think we all want to feel closer to the people around us. But we also know at the same moment that I'm not really that willing to go there and share things, and they're not really that willing to go there and share things. So we know each other kind of, but not at the depth we yearn for. But when we take the risk and God moves in our lives and we're in wonder and awe over what he's done, and we tell each other, something profound can happen. I I don't know about you, but I've, I've... shared about my faith in Christ with people that I've known a really long time and never took that risk. And I always thought the day I finally broached the subject of Jesus and the gospel and how deeply and strongly I feel, they're going to be so weirded out, they're going to run for the hills and be like, I had no idea you're a kook. Instead they say, you know what, the way you talk about it, I can tell this is the most important thing for you. And many people will say to you, thank you for risking that and sharing it. I'm not ready to believe it, but I'm grateful because I feel like when you share something deeply personal to you, it bonds you to the people you're sharing it with. And when we have, have you noticed that when you experience something profound with a group of people, that shared experience and shared story immediately bonds you together. It doesn't quite say it in the text, but at the end of all of this, I've got to imagine that these shepherds were bound together in a way deeper than anything that had come before. And they returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen. I don't picture they were going as individuals, but as people who had shared a profound experience and borne witness to something that was not ordinary. I think that's why I feel so close in my memory to some of the people from the Canaan youth group in the mid-80s. Because together as teenagers, we lived through what I would best describe as a Holy Spirit revival firestorm in the suburbs of Chicago. Never before or since that time have I experienced anything quite so sweeping in my life as a Christian as what we experienced when I was a teenager at that time. And to this day, when I see someone from that youth group so many strong memories and feelings surge up in me because we shared one of the most profound, common experiences of our lives together. That's the power of shared wonder to produce real community. And when Jesus was born, God spread the news in such a way that it was very clear he didn't just want individuals to be amazed, but he wanted to raise up a people 
who were bound together in awe and worship of the Messiah that had come. That's why he's given us the church. That's why he doesn't invite us to sit in our underwear on on a computer and just watch a service online. But he says, be there in person. Sit next to a flesh and blood human being. And together, as God moves among you, be bound to one another in the powerful shared experience and story of Jesus. In the year ahead, one of the commitments we're going to make is to invite more and more of our people to share the story. And here's what I want to say to you. Don't wait until a pastor or a leader asks you, if God moves in your life in some significant way, approach someone and say, hey, I feel like what God just did in my life would be good for other people to hear. Now, I know at some level people are hesitant because it feels like it's drawing all the attention to you. But rest assured that when we share the story of God, it doesn't draw attention to us. It draws attention to him. And right now in our world, God is sorely in need of, direct, of attention being redirected to him because we are all looking at everything else. God is very much alive. He's very real. He is at work. But often people see that only through the story of others. And as they see it and hear it, they begin to yearn for and expect that God will also be alive in them. So as the invitations go out or as God moves in your life, don't keep that to yourself this year. In 2018, when God moves, I want to encourage and invite you, be willing to share the story of God at work in your life. Because I know that there are some in our church who desperately need to hear that they're not alone in their struggle. That in the same way God met you and broke through, he could do that in their life. And when you share it, God becomes just that much more real to them. And we desperately need to experience that together. From the very first moment when the angels told the shepherds the gospel of Jesus Christ and the good news of the gift of salvation has spread as one person told another person the good news. That's how it's always happened. And if you have ever led someone to Christ, you will know that that experience will bond you to that person for the rest of your earthly lives and into eternity. It's always worked this way. And so it's our privilege and even our responsibility when God moves, when he displays himself in our lives, to share the story and the wonder that comes with it and watch what he does in the lives of other people. We've got to bring it to a close here. I'm going to invite the praise team to come up. I don't, I don't know what I'm seeing right now when I look at your faces because this is kind of the general... That's either, mm, God is speaking or what, what on earth? I don't know what I'm seeing. I'm trusting and hoping that God is tugging at you because we all want to see God. And so often, he shows himself to us to the story and testimony of others. I need to see God in your life, and I know you need to see God in mine. And so if he moves, I won't be silent. I hope you won't be either. And as we boldly share the story, God becomes more visible and more real. And as we take that risk and trust each other, we start to feel closer to each other because I've let you into something that I won't let everybody into.
He is at work. Maybe the reason I can't sleep at night is because I'm one of the only people who knows. Right? The pastors know your story. We're like, oh, if you would only share. God would become so real to all of us together. He is at work. He's very much alive. Let's not bottle him up. Let's share the wonder. I'm going to invite the praise team to lead us in some closing songs. And then at the end of that, I'm going to come back up and we're just going to pray together and invite God to work in our midst and help us share the wonder. Thanks for listening to the sermon from Harvest Community Church. If you would like more information or have any questions or comments, check out our website at harvest-community.org. Thanks for listening.